Sustainability are the keys to social change and communities are using them to overcome the challenges of poverty. Once again, SAFM is partnering with the National Research Foundation to bring you the Science for Society lecture series. This latest lecture entitled How South Africa's Communities are Driving Social Innovation and Sustainability will be held at Stellenbosch University on Thursday, the 2nd of October 2014. Speakers at the lecture will be Professor Mark Swilling of the University of Stellenbosch and Professor Monique Marks of the Durban University of Technology. Breast cancer affected my whole childhood. Fear or denial could deprive your children of a mother. There are so many women desperately in need of your help. Remember, early detection saves lives. Thanks to your support, a new mammography truck has been launched. Book now for the Pink Tie Gala Dinner and High Coffee events happening in October. For more details on how you can support this initiative, go to www.pinkride.co.za. Well, tomorrow is World Urticaria Day, and uh, Patricia Kelly, who's the president of South African Dermatology Nursing Association, is on the line. Patricia, hello and welcome to Otherwise. Hello, how lovely to be talking to you. Well, thank you for for reaching out to us, you know, because I'd never heard of Urticaria Day. Is it how you say it? That is correct, yes. Um, it is going to be the very first one, and um, the aim of this International Urticaria Day is to cre- increase awareness of urticaria. And really, the word urticaria is, simply means hives. Um, it's the medical term for hives, and, you know, it's very common. Um, and again, this is one of the reasons, as you say, you've never heard of this, and yet it's a very, very common skin condition. Hives as in beehives type thing? Well, in hives, not quite. <laughs> but, um, you know, it has the appearance of itchy wheels, which are burning and itching on the skin. You, you know, and you get swelling around the lips and the eyes, for example, or you have birth. And, you know, unfortunately, people with chronic um, urticaria suffer from sleep disruption, fatigue, energy loss, social isolation, and emotional difficulties. So the impacts on their quality of life can be really um, devastating. So the aim of, of having this International Day, which is the very first one, I might tell you, mm-hmm. um, is to make people aware of it because unfortunately we found that so many people are misdiagnosed, they're not treated correctly, um, they need social support, they need moral support. You know, it, is, it can be... You know, you have two types of urticaria. You have an acute urticaria, which can last for six weeks. And then anything from that to many years is called chronic urticaria. And it's quite devastating because, you know, you can imagine these marks and wheels appear anywhere on the body. And, you know, socially, people are, look at people with a skin disease and say, oh, mustn't touch them, and they have a very bad reaction because they don't have the knowledge mm. of what is actually happening. So we're trying to make all of this, um, you know, of what actually happens. And again, we um, wanting patients or people with this chronic condition 
to actually talk to each other, you know, maybe even form little groups on their own. Mm. Um, Before we even get there, Patricia, I, I, I want us to go back a bit because you went to uh, a global chronic spontaneous urticaria meeting in Milan earlier this year. That's right, yes. And I, I'm, I'm just surprised that there is even a global chronic meeting when we know so very little about it. How can you give us a bit of history as far as urticaria is concerned? I mean, I know that the medical profession obviously understands what it is and can diagnose it, but why do you think we've been almost at the tail end of information? Um, you know, I think skin conditions or dermatology, um, in in the broad sense. You know, so many medical professionals, nursing professionals have very little training in skin conditions in their undergraduate curricula. Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, again, urticaria being a very common condition, I think people are meeting up with this condition more and more. One in four people, one in a hundred people worldwide have this condition. Mm Um, very difficult to diagnose if it's the um, acute form which lasts for about six weeks, yes. Um, they go to the doctor and they can give a history. Um, you know, you've either eaten shellfish or, you know, you've had contact with something else and suddenly you flare up. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to this chronic form where it can just appear um, anytime for weeks and weeks and, or, you know, as I said, many years, um, it's quite difficult. They don't have the knowledge, many doctors and health professionals, to treat this. And unfortunately, the cause of it, I would say in chronic urticaria, um, 50% of the people, the cause is not identified at all. Mm. And many of these causes can be due to something you ingest, you know, drugs over the counter, medicines, any foods, preservatives. Um, coloring agents, you know, seafood, all that. And then again, physical factors, um, exercise induced, um, mm. can, exercise can induce these big wheels. Cold, heat, water. And then of course, contact again, something like rubber, latex, you know, talc. And then of course, again, a lot of people have allergies to pollen. Um, and then of course, internal diseases. Oh and of course, if they have a bacterial infection, dental caries. So they suddenly come out in these wheels without warning. They can last for a few days um, or for a week or two. So, How do we identify it? If, I mean, you know, is there a pattern or is there a size? And I, 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 I jokingly spoke about... Uh, beehives, because I was hoping that it probably presents itself in that sort of way, so one one can can identify it like that. Is it bubbles? Is it what's well? Of, it comes out in the. It looks like a wheel, W H E A L, a wheel. It's a swelling on the skin, mm-hmm. um, which is itchy, which is burning. Um, it is. How else can I describe it? Mm. Um, large, small. It can just appear on the face. Um, you get swelling on the eyes. It can appear on one side of the body or both sides. Is it small, like blister-like? No, it's. Um, how can I say in the macus? It's a wave, probably a swollen flash lesion. Mm. It's, 
it, it has a flat sort of surface that is raised um, in a, you know, very red, um, itchy, burning, mm. large lesions, large or small lesions, it all depends. And it stays for, as I said, a couple of hours, or it can just, you know, disappear after, and then patients are free with it. But again, they're not sure when it's going to appear. Um, some people, as I say, have it on a daily basis, and without the proper treatment, um, they do suffer badly. So, again, there is me uh, medication that can be used, but people are still, you know, there is a struggle still to, quite a challenge in actually getting, um, what should I say, a permanent solution to, mm -hmm. to treating this. It so, sounds like um, it, it sounds. Sorry, Patricia, but it sounds like it can be caused by just about anything, and 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 you know you may just think, oh, maybe I, my face wash wasn't good enough, or my lotion wasn't good enough for my body, and you ignore it. When do you start taking those itches very seriously and present presenting them to to a medical practitioner? Well, I would think that the very first time you have this, you would do it because it's quite a fright when you suddenly get these swellings, these itching, itchy reds, burning um, lesions on the body, mm. um, you will immediately, it is and can be quite frightening. And as I said, you can get swelling and, you know, in a very, very acute stage, you could have difficulty with your breathing. Oh, wow. Um, so one has to, you know, then, then the doctors will look at you and if it's a short one, yes, you can say, Okay, what have you done in the last few days? Um, but when it comes to patients who've had this for quite some time, um, you know, one of the most important things is history, 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 because you're trying to find a cause. Um, and as I stated earlier, 50% of the time you don't find the cause. But we do try to get patients to keep... Um, you know, to document what they've eaten, what they've done, what they've used, where they've been, you know, over a short, you know, over a period of time to try and establish a cause. And this is the difficulty of it, is that because we can't find the cause, you can't get rid of the cause. So one has to treat them, the patients symptomatically, um, you know, and one of the Obviously, the main treatment for urticaria is antihistamines, mm. they're the non-sedating ones. Mm. But then again, the dosage has to be right. Um, some patients will respond to a standard dose of it, but one might have to increase it up to four times the normal standard dose. But they have to take the medication on a daily basis and not wait for you know, any, um, for a reaction to happen or an eruption of these um, lesions. You, you mentioned history, 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 and it made me think, Is it, could this be hereditary? Um, not to my knowledge. Um, you know, no, not necessarily, no. Okay, so so one develops it uh, independently depending on uh, the the way their DNA is really well not even DNA but well not even DNA uh, it's how the mast cells in the body react it's mm -hmm. an autoimmune disease so it's okay. something that is happening within the body reacting to something you know um, externally um, but again 
what we need to sort of, I think, really emphasize here is the maintenance of treatments, the education of, mm. other, you know, of um, how to try and live with it because one can maybe keep it subdued. But again, we can't cure it and we've got to wait to see maybe in a year or two or three or four or however long it takes that um, it will resolve, which it can do. Um, there are some treatments on the market that, you know, it often takes months to identify and treat appropriately. So it's regardless of the type of urticaria person they have, the symptoms are the same. And, because um, it could be quite a lifestyle change. I mean, if you have the, the, the chronic urticaria, uh, because I, I take it then the, the certain things that you, you need to stay away from, there's certain things that you cannot continue doing. Um, you said you mentioned earlier that heat may exacerbate the, the, the condition. So well, you, you see, if you find the cause, then that's, then that's, that's brilliant because then you can, obviously, if you know the cause, you stay away from that, mm-hmm. um, avoiding that, you know. Um, so it, it, it's, as I said, you, you sometimes just don't find this cause. So one has to learn in a way to live with this, but of course, again, as I say, the impact um, on the quality of life can be quite devastating. People are going off to maybe a meeting and suddenly they come up in these wheels and it's on their face. Um, socially, again, they, they seem to hide from society. Um, you know, they, 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 it's to try and give them some support to say, look, you're not alone in this. There are so many sufferers in the world. Um, we can help you. We can support you. Let's get you together with, with other people of sufferers. Let's form groups. Um, there's a wonderful website that people can go onto as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter and follow the dialogue, dialogue on Twitter as well. So what we're trying to do is get patients to communicate with each other as well. Um, we had at this particular meeting in, in Milan earlier this year, we, they had brought patients over as well. And just to listen to patients who have mm-hmm. suffered from this for years and how they've gone through life. Um, you know, some people are stronger than the others and they push forward and others just give up and really uh, it's quite sad and hmm. um, and does does I, I i'm just wondering if it's it's it, it stays in one area or does it spread gradually throughout the body oh it can appear anywhere on the body okay um you know it's um how should i say it's it just comes, I mean, it can be on the face, it could be one side of the face, it could be on both sides of the face. And, you know, they, they to recognize these wheels, they're like transient red wheels, mm. you know, often with an annular or geographical outline. Um, they are intensely itchy and burning. Um, I'm starting to itch as I'm talking to you. Sorry? <laughs> I'm starting to itch as I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, really, it's, it's um, yeah, and found at any site. Um, and you can have a number of lesions. You can have a few lesions or you can have lots of lesions. 
So okay. it's so, just a very inconvenient disorder to have. Um, you know, and as I said, there is a life-threatening side of it. The respiratory tract is involved. Patricia, yes. um, so what do we do on, on uh, tomorrow, which is uh, the global day? Well, what we're doing, I um, mean, you know, we've arranged some activities. I know in Johannesburg, um, and what is happening now is that, well, number one, I'd like you, if you wouldn't mind, is just asking people to go onto the website, mm-hmm. if I can give that to you. Yes, please do. It's www. Mm-hmm. Dot dot org. Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Day. Dot org. Okay. And also they can follow the dialogue the dialogue on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's at hash Day twenty fourteen. Okay. Twenty fourteen, uh huh. Is there any any are there any conversations on, on Facebook? Um, Facebook, yes, there is. They can go on to Facebook mm-hmm. as well. The um, what we're also doing is a lot of what's been happening is from Johannesburg side, they are having campaign posters and a lunchtime talk. Mm-hmm. We're doing a similar thing here at Cape Town at Fritzke Hospital. We've got a table up in the main hospital street where we will have posters um, to people with knowledge of this condition. We're going to distribute flyers um, to Deskem nationwide. And um, then I know in Rosebank, Johannesburg, they're having a flash mob choreographed lunchtime dance. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, and all our dermatologists are going to be given pamphlets and the pharmacies down here. Um, posters. So what we're really trying to achieve here is to get people together with this condition and not sort of home alone um, just to know that we have support for them you know um, you often get emails well I do too from some patients and not being able to do too much more than supporting them along the way Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times you might have people, I have patients from the Eastern Cape in contact with me, the medication's not there, um, so it's yeah. just letting them have some kind of contact with us. Well, I'm glad we found you because there's going to be so many other opportunities to talk to you further about uh Urticaria, but also about just dermatology and other conditions that exist. So thank you so much for reaching out to us. And I hope we can get as many people educated out there and we'll send them out to your website and Twitter and Facebook for more conversations. Wonderful, Shadow. I really thank you for your time. Thank you for a wonderful program. Thank you. Take care now, Patricia. Thank you, Shadow. Bye-bye. That's Patricia Kelly, President of South African Dermatology Nursing Association, also Vice President of International Skin Care Nursing Group. And the website for Urticaria is www.urticariaday.org. And on Twitter, urticariaday2014. Uh, and that's the hashtag. And of course, on Facebook, Urticaria. And Urticaria is U R T I C A R I A. I'm so glad to be on radio because I learn every day. We're back after this. Otherwise, on SAFM.
Okay, so on Friday we we invite Cindy Ngaba, uh, owner of of Style Silhouette, to talk about her business, and uh, then we discover that the day actually on Friday was the anniversary for her mastectomy. And I thought, my goodness, we, we need to find out more about Cindy and find out her journey. Because a lot of us think because we hear so much about cancer, we never understand what somebody goes through and what can we learn from Cindy and gain strength. So we've invited Cindy back again. Cindy, hello. Thank you for joining us again. Hi, Shadow. Thank you for having me again. You I do deliver on your promises. Eh? <laughs> Becoming a regular. No, but, well, you know what? When we do promise, we promise the rest of the country and everyone is waiting to know whether I will talk to you again or not. But I thought it was a very important conversation to have, you know, even bigger than the conversation about your business. True. I agree. Now, how were you, when did you discover uh, you, you, you had breast cancer? Okay, can I just um, step back a little bit mm. and just give a precursor mm. to say that my experience is actually not unique. There are those who have experienced worse than I have. Mm. Others have lost the battle. And I think I would like to start off by acknowledging all those heroines mm. um, who were on the road ahead of me. Uh, and they noticed the thorns, of course. They removed them, mm. and they put up flowers to cheer me. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Um, Shadow, how I discovered is through um, regular checkups. Um, I go for my annual checkups regularly, almost the same time every year. Mm. I did it um, as a healthy person, but also I started doing it more because I learned from a friend of mine. She had breast cancer in 2009, and then she sent out a message to all of us to say screening, pre-screening is very, very important. Did it run in your family at all? I wouldn't say breast cancer ran in my family at mm. all, but yes, there was cancer in my family, mm. yes. Mm. Um, so I went for, it was the 14th of September 2012, went for my normal mammogram had fun as usual but this time it was diff very different from mammograms i've had the experience i've had before mm. because the radiographers um, repeated the films and concentrated on one breast and then of course i told myself i go every year so it can be mm. so the next thing i was sent to the scan Mm. And it didn't say anything. I wasn't registering at that point. And the lady who was doing the scan, you know, started talking to me about other things. I look like a friend just to distract me. <laughs> and I did not read her body language at all. Mm. Then the next thing they called the doctor. And then, then I was quickly summoned to my, back to my gynae. Fortunately, it was in the same hospital. Mm. So I was then uh, summoned back to my gynae. And then, of course, um, the face of my gynae was different. And then he said um, they need a biopsy, but then he recommended that I see my breast surgeon um, first. Uh, there's a very good uh, breast and intestine surgeon in Cape Town. But unfortunately, he was in doing surgery at that moment. Mm. 
it was a Friday, I had to come back the Monday. Now you can imagine the kind of weekend I had. Cindy, hang on a bit. So they, they tell you this, but do you understand the language that's being used? Obviously, you'd gone for checkups often, but when they talk about biopsies and telling you about surgeons who, uh, who are good in Cape Town and those kinds of things, I mean, are you, are you, are you registering the, the depth I, of this thing? I am, I'm not quite registering, but it's getting scary. Mm. But at the same time, you tell yourself that you go regular. So why should it be you? It's things you read about in the paper. Mm-hmm. Yes. So anyway, I spent that weekend knowing what is going to happen on on Monday. But of course, I must say, Shadow, I, I derived comfort from the fact that my guy said that it's important that the surgeon sees me first. I had seen him before, mm. but for something else. Mm. Yes. So I derived a lot of comfort in that. And indeed, the Monday I went to see him, he also did, um, you know, the manual test. I must say my breasts are naturally very lumpy. Okay. So my gynae had done that. I had done my own test and, you know, I just thought it's just normal lumps. What size were you? What size was your cup? The size of my cup then was 32 DD. Double D, okay. Yes, yes. And I ask this because I'm, 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 I'm yes, yeah. It's because you know mo- most people say when you said they were very lumpy, and most people say when you've got bigger breasts like the double D, uh, you, you're more prone. And I'm not too sure how far true that is. No, I, I'm not too sure to what um, the truth is because I also breastfed two girls, and we are told that if um, you have breastfed, then the risk is less. Hmm. But there you go. Hmm. There hmm. you go. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you were naturally lumpy and, and you have to go and see this the surgeon now. Yes. And so the surgeon also does the manual test and then says that, you know, he can't um feel anything but of course it's naturally lumpy and then he refers to the previous mammograms and then um then he phones the radiographers downstairs and asks them if they can do a guided biopsy. So I go down. I, I don't know. All this language is strange. Yeah, and you're telling me about a guided biopsy. What is that? They, it's, it's, they put up a scan, but at the same time, they shoot a needle into the lump. So if you are brave, you can see on the screen. Now, my eyes will be closed. I want, I want it done under anesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't play like that. Cindy. Yeah. But be that as it may, and, um, you know, it was a, a small lump and it was, it was running away, basically. Oh, so they yeah. had to shoot three times. Uh, but then, you know, I still told myself that uh, it's just a tissue. They will come back and say something else. Mm. Mm. And of course, the following day, I received a call from um, the surgeon's rooms wanting to see me. And I suspected it can't be good news because normally when you go for these tests, they advise you, they either write you a letter or they phone you and say, all is well. But then I still told myself, okay, he's going to tell me that it's dead tissue that he needs to remove. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you, you, you discover then that um, you, you have breast cancer. Yes. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm wondering what your first thoughts are and what are you going to tell your family? Do you talk to them first? What, what, what conversations were you having around in your head around at the time? You know, people react differently, Shadow. But certain, certainly for myself, to say I was shattered is an understatement. Mm. Because, you know, I saw my life flashing in front of me. You know, in the piece that I wrote to you, I said that a spark was extinguished. Mm. And uh, what I perceived to be the reality of my life suddenly was brought to question. Mm. So, um, I, and my daughters know me so well. The older one was at home. Um, she, saw, she saw me, and then she said, what's wrong? And of course, I broke down. Mm. Did you think it was a life sentence? Uh, it, of course, I thought it was. Mm. Uh, but of course, the, the life sentence is better because you can still appeal maybe to the judge. This time around, who do you appeal to? Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and who, who's your higher power? Um, who... Because uh, I'm wondering if at that time is when you go down on your knees and pray, or do you call your ancestors? Who, who where, where did you go at that point where you asked for strength or understanding? Um, it's God. I, mm. I come from a very religious family, mm. and um, of course, I'm, I'm also spiritual in many other ways. Mm. So at that time, I thought, God, you know. You are bigger than this. I've had challenges in life. I've been on the edge, but I've never drowned. Mm. So this time around, you need to show up again. Mm. And your your family and your children are now understanding what is 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 going to happen. And I suspect that your 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 gynae had already walked you through the different stages and what your options were. Um, actually, uh, Shadow. I just need to say that, um, you know, I said people react differently. Mm. And I don't know whether if I didn't have the baggage that I had, that things could have been easier, you know. I had said before that my mother suffered from lymphoma and I nursed her until the last breath. Mm. I lost a young cousin to cancer. It was not breast cancer, but the last dose of chemo. That was it for her. And then, of course, a friend of mine who has become a sister had breast cancer in 2009, and she went through hectic treatment. I had to tell her, all is okay. And now here, what do I tell myself? And then, at the same time, I had an 88-year-old aunt who I'm, I'm looking after who was very ill. I had just booked her in for shoulder replacement. And of course, the year before that, you know, I had been very tired. I was so exhausted. I was losing weight. I just couldn't figure out what it was. I was going to doctors. They couldn't find out what it was. And I was just told maybe it's the, it's the lifestyle. It's so the you, do you believe that all these incidences you're telling me were preparing you for your journey? I think they were preparing mm. me for my journey. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what decisions did you make? Because I, I'm, I'm trying to get, because we, again, we're going to run out of time, but I'm yeah. trying to get to the, 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 the decision to, to have and what sort of treatment you chose and, yes. and, and eventually the mastectomy. Yeah, of course, you are in the, in the flight mode, but suddenly, you know, you, 
you um, you get into this quick decision making mode. Mm. Um, so my surgeon took me through different stages and the treatments, and of course I said to him that I want this operation now. I was going to have a mastectomy. It was in one breast, but then I said, "Look, I'm very ignorant, but from where I am, given that um, this baggage, my mother died of some other cancer. I don't want to sit and wait for cancer to come." Mm. to the other breast mm. so I want both of them gone and then he said it's school holidays um, we will have to wait I said I'm sorry I can't wait it has to happen now so um, the uh, biopsy was on the on the 17th and then the 26th I was on the operating tray hmm. uh, oh but just before that you, 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 so you spoke about decisions I made mm. And then, of course, all my daughters came home, and my aunt was here, of course, and then I said to them that uh, we're going to have a book party. They said, what's that? I said, we're celebrating breasts. They're going away. <laughs> that is so amazing. <laughs> that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. So you celebrated them before, you know, you let them go. Yes, I celebrated, I celebrated them before I let them go. And of course, you know, they fed both of your children. They fed, yes, and I have a picture of, of each one of them on both <laughs> when we were celebrating. <laughs> So, Cindy, I, I must tell you, at that time, I was actually not processing. Mm. Then I went to the to, to have my mastectomy, and then um, I came back. It was so sore. I've never experienced pain like that before. Mm. Of course, they do a pain management. I must tell you, I had the best team of doctors ever. But, Cindy, um, how has it been living without your natural breasts? Has it made a difference in your life, the way you, you look? Are you more conscious of the way, the things you wear? How, how has it affected you? Um, well, I did reconstruction uh-huh. uh, immediately. Uh-huh. But what hit me, it started sinking in the day I was discharged from hospital. That's when the grief came, you know, the emotion was just too much. And the pain was intense. And... I just went down again. Hmm. Um, I was so exhausted. And, but I discussed this with my oncologist. Um, and, and so I had to also go through counseling. I think the important mm. thing here, what I, the point I'm trying to make here is it's important to acknowledge whatever it is that mm. you are dealing with. Mm. Because mm. then you face it head on. Of course, the dark cloud was was with me for a while because I went through a very, very long healing period. But where I am now, I'm very happy with my reconstruction. I think I look better. I'm picky. <laughs> you go, girl. Yes, you, you I know- actually had to dig deep to just give birth to myself again. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Cindy, you, you know, the reason I asked to come and talk to you again, because I think that's part of your healing. The more you talk about exactly. your, 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 yes. your experiences, the more you heal and you encourage other women to do those checks all the time, because it's it's not a life sentence. It doesn't always have to it's, be a life sentence. It's not a life sentence, Saru, I can tell you now. And they must always remember that other people before them have bitten the monster. They can too. 
A friend of mine will be having conversation about breast cancer, and we are going to have afternoon tea at Lady Bonin's Tea Parlor. It's at Woodstock Exchange. Okay. And it's my company, Style Silhouette, that will be hosting that. Fantastic. We'll, we'll broadcast it again nearer and the then time. It is, it's 150 rand per head. Okay. No, no, we'll broadcast that nearer the time. Thank you so much, Cindy, and thank you for bearing your soul to us, you know, and, 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 and sharing some of those important words of wisdom about your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me again. Take Bye. care. Take care, Cindy. Wow, that's brave, hey? As she was talking, uh, my goose flesh was, uh, my blood was running all over the place because that is a very brave thing to do. And I love the fact that they celebrated their, their boobs, huh?